0: When you get in New York, I call it Tony Soprano Italian. Yeah. If you take a real Italian
1: person to a New York Italian place, they're going to look at you like, what the fuck? The truth is, those are Dominicans cooking that food. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because they're my cousins.
2: <laughs> 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 On this episode of Uninterrupted, the shop podcast, Maverick Carter and Paul Rivera are joined by Jake Paul.
3: Now, I don't care what people say unless it is a well-crafted thought from someone who is successful
4: and has walked at least somewhat in my shoes.
2: Francis Ngannou.
4: I didn't want to sign a contract. I don't want to sign my life to somebody who doesn't give me any something else in return.
2: Amber Ruffin. What a lot of people are calling cancel culture is just accountability. We as a people are evolving and It'll take some people a long time, some people are there already. And Romeo Santos. Had you asked
1: me maybe 20 years ago, could you deliver a show in the way I do today, I would have told you there's no way. In fact, if these people perceive that I'm nervous, I'm ruined. Check it out. You place, you know, you play baseball. You don't play fighting. No, I don't, I don't play fighting.
0: If you play football and you're the quarterback, if you make a mistake, it's an interception. When you fight, a mistake is you're knocked the fuck out. Like,
4: and oh. the problem with fighting is like when you made that mistake, you have to stay stick with it for months. Yes, you know. No. Yes, because uh, basketball, you play bad today, next day there is a game, two day after there is a game, and then you go there, you have the opportunity to perform well, but. You, you perform bad. First of all, you have like a concussion. So you have 90 days out before yeah. even go back to the gym. Yes. So it's like six months you You're living it. with your you demon with every day hunting yeah. you in your room. Like, hey, you, you should have you, you done this instead of this. Or, <laughs> I'm like,
2: That's you know, also true you know, in comedy. For months. <laughs> I write on Late Night with Seth Meyers, which was like a, a nightly uh, talk show. And Seth would say, if you get jokes on the show, then you feel good. And then the next day you feel great. But if you go a week without getting jokes on the show, you feel bad. But then the next day you have an opportunity to have jokes. So you feel good. And he was saying, if, when he was on SNL, you would have to wait for a full week Week. to see, and he would say it was torture. I was like, oh wow, I don't have that because every day we have a new show and it's a new opportunity to do a good job. You
0: auditioned for SNL and didn't make it. What was that like? I can't imagine how competitive is
2: auditioning for it. Yeah, I mean, we had showcases here in LA and I did exactly what they asked but a lot of people just did what they felt. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is gonna be good for me. So then I made it to go to New York for their audition. And I really thought I was gonna get it. I don't know why I thought that. I, I was so cocky, so unreasonably cocky. And I go to do my audition, you know, in the studio, you know, on the stage where people give the monologue. And as I'm walking out, fucking Leslie Jones is walking back. People are, falling out laughing so fucking hard oh, wow. that she's not on stage anymore. And people are like ah, ah. the roar, it was like a roar and I walk in and I audition in that. I was like okay. You literally <laughs>
5: followed Leslie Jones yeah, into audition. I, did. I wow. followed her
2: to uh, nothing. <laughs> 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 I was the only one of the finalists who did not get hired. Sissier, Lakendra and Leslie, Leslie and Lakendra were writers. They got hired all at once, and I did not get hired. But then, a couple days later, I got a call from Seth Meyers and was like, you coming to New York anyway to write on my show? And thank God, because SNL, I I do not know them. I do not know what it is like to write there. I assume it is much harder than- It's brutal. Fucking late night Seth is just, you and your little friends goofing around all day, we'll leave, go eat a steak, come back, write two jokes, and we're done. Like, it's, it's- you know, Montessori school for comedy. But uh, yeah, I I do think ultimately, this was what I needed to become a good writer. Jake, let me ask you, you have an interesting
5: boxing background where it's like, you have five pro fights? Yes. Right. When did you realize you could fight?
3: Man, you know, it's crazy as it sounds, from the first day I sparred, you know, the coach who I was training with at the time was like, like, couldn't believe it. He was like, you've never fought before? You're, that, that was amazing, like he was blown away. He like stopped and was like, what's going on here? And just from that day, like my coaches always told me, like, yo, you're a natural, this is crazy. You could you could really fight, blah, blah, blah. And so I started to get confidence in myself because of that. Um, but then once I put on the 10 ounce gloves in my first pro fight, knocked this kid out in the first round, that's when I was like, oh, maybe my coaches were right. Like Up to that I, point, you
5: weren't even sure.
3: I wasn't sure. And they were like, you're heavy handed, you have power, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but that was the first moment of me realizing like, damn, I could I could really take this far.
5: Do you think people take you seriously as a boxer and do you give a shit?
3: I don't give a shit, you know, but
5: I I, think I didn't at first. You didn't take them seriously. I didn't
0: at first. Me too.
3: I did not at <laughs> first. Yeah.
0: I'll be honest, I was like, this is a gimmick. I don't even want to watch this shit. I didn't take you serious at first
5: at all. Has your perspective changed as you've seen him evolve more fights?
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Everyone that doubted him uh, at this point has agreed that he's a, he's a legit one. I mean, at first I was like, OK, whatever. Yeah, you know, even my grandma can, my grandma can box. You know? <laughs> <laughs> then uh, you kind of like see him, uh, how his fight, I think he was a Tyrone Woodley fight. I'm like, OK, if after this fight somebody has a doubt about him, that means he has a personal problem with it, you know.
5: I feel like you're one of the most judged people in the public eye. It's like, if I asked 10 people, give me one word to describe Jake Paul, I'd probably get 10 different answers. Yeah. I'd get, he's a boxer, he's a YouTuber, he's a troll, he's doing good for sport. Cringe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you feel about like the negativity that comes along with social and all that for you personally?
3: When I was younger, the comments definitely affected me because I I wasn't as confident. I was like 15 years old and I would be getting all these com- comments and I was, I was bullied in high school. When I uh, started m- like making it on Vine, eventually I became numb to it. And now I don't care what people say unless it is a well-crafted thought from someone who is successful and has walked at least somewhat in my shoes.
1: It's interesting to hear everyone's perspectives, even though it's different professions. And the key element for all of us is confidence. People have, like, this perception, okay, he's confident or she's confident. The moment they feel that energy, that you're not confident, your shit is ruined. Because if you go and you're about to fight someone and your opponent feels like, He's a bit scared. You don't get your ass beat.
5: Well, speaking of confidence you had, <clears throat> you in a group, a, a super successful group, Anduda. did you ever doubt yourself like, hey, can I do this thing on my own?
1: Had you asked me maybe 20 years ago, could you deliver a show in the way I do today? I would have told you there's no way. In fact, I remember that I would perform and once the song was over, I couldn't speak to the crowd because I was so shy that wow. oh. oh it was it was terrible it took a lot of years of practice and for me um people not knowing my songs you know at an early stage i had to talk to them i had, had to, to bring them along I, I just i was making motherfuckers laugh so if you ever go to one of my shows there's a lot of comedy
0: but so you just saw comedy as like oh this is a way for me to relax
1: and help the crowd relax it was more for the crowd or was it more for you I would say it was a combination. It started more with my confidence. Like, if these people perceive that I'm nervous, I'm ruined. So I would just make fun of people. Like I'm about to sing this song, and I would just say something like, yo, is that your girl? But why is she looking at me? You know, and, and just, just I'd be like, like honey, oh, we gotta go.
3: <laughs> yo, we're going home. Get <laughs> <Just> your shit. <laughs> We get to get the
0: fuck out of here, right? <laughs>
1: and, and to be honest with you, at times, that didn't go well for me. But again, we go back to the conference. Like, what would happen? Ooh, I was doing a show, I would say, like, maybe eight years ago. I'll improvise singing to the chick, and I would tell the dude, your girl, she loves me. You know, we have a history. And I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. shit. Mind you, I don't know her. Listen, this dude, he's, like, grilling me, like. <laughs> Like I'm about to fuck you up, bro. I thought he was just playing along. He was making my show more interesting. I realized he wasn't acting when he threw his glass on stage. <laughs> <laughs> threw this shit! At me. Yeah, I think Stop. everybody realized, like, oh, he's serious. True cool story? Yeah, and and I was like, oh, they I mean, escorted him out the building, and I did I, I felt, oh man, like, I got provoked. This shit, you know.
0: Did his girl stay? Oh yes, she did. <laughs> oh no.
5: <laughs>
3: Oh,
0: so that's not his girl,
5: then. Not his girl. <laughs> that's not his girl. Question, with all the success you guys have had, do you still get nervous?
2: I do. I feel like once 300 people have booed you, it's hard to feel nervous. I used to work at a theater called Boom Chicago in Amsterdam, and we would have a lot of like stag do's and bachelorette parties, and people would come just fucked up, and then from, you'd be like, hey, welcome to Boomskite, Sky." you'd be like, ah, your shit, you'd be like, god damn. And you would know you're gonna have a bad show, and you know you gotta fight them a little bit, and You and just go through out. It. That must be But hard. then they've destroyed it. All right. I mean, it is hard, but it's also great. Because once you do that, you can do anything.
1: To be honest with you, like every time I walk on stage, I feel, I don't know if the right term is nervousness, it's just like this.
4: Stress. Anxiety. I'm anxious. I'm the butterfly. Like, like, anxious.
1: Yeah. And I think that I describe that as still respecting the craft, still respecting the, you know, the crowd.
4: Champ, you still get nervous on the walkout? Of course. <clears throat> I mean, um, we, we don't play, we don't perform. We we fight, you know, and you're going to fight somebody. Um, you don't know what will happen in that octagon, you know, and uh, also the, the responsibility that you have, the reason why you're fighting for. Days a thousand of things that can happen in there and you don't know. You just gonna sure. find, you just have to find out in the, in the next 25, 15 or 25 minutes.
0: Have you ever gotten a ring and realized the guy across from me is scared?
4: Yeah. Oh. Now I can I can I can see that. Before the fight, everybody is like talk, talk. and sure. this, you know. But when they lock that cage, like
2: <laughs> <laughs> you look at your opening
4: in your in your opening eyes like this. And at that moment, I'm like, you see somebody or like, damn, what did I do? Like, oh, I'm like, Bro, I can't you believe so people like, start... get
2: in there and they're like, I'm confident. That's insane. You're if like, they what? like that cage, I'm like, because of
0: you and they excuse go, me? Mr. Excuse me, uh, sir. Excuse me, can somebody what? open that
3: door? <laughs> 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 the, if I looked across and saw him, I'd be like, <laughs>
5: yeah, no He's shot. Like, no. Jake, you five fights, in, you still, I assume you still get nervous on the walkout.
3: I'm more so just excited because. Honestly, I put in all the work and done all the preparation, right? And we spar all the time in training camp, you know, hundreds of rounds. And I'm not getting paid for that. So this is the night I get to go out there and get paid and like do my thing. And actually, we can get out of there early. We don't have to go the whole entire fight. We can have an early night, put them to sleep and get out of there.
5: You bring up pay. It would have been very easy for you to make your money, get paid, worry about you. You know, I think since your first, second fight, you've taken on someone from your world, Dana White, talked about UFC, the gap in pay. Why has that been such an important cause for you to take up?
3: Yeah, for, for me, it's about changing combat sports in general. You know, that's what I've always been passionate about doing since I came in and helping women's boxing and my foundation, Boxing Bullies, which helps kids get involved in this sport early. But then the fight or pay side of it, I've just seen how people, and fighters are getting taken advantage of, you know, this is the most dangerous sport in the world. And the UFC, you know, makes billions of dollars a year, and they're only paying their fighters 15% of that. Um, you know, Ari Emanuel, the CEO of Endeavor, you know, his salary last year was more than the entire UFC roster. So these fighters are risking their lives for $10,000, there's no long-term health care. So. For me, I just saw it as a problem and I am one of the people who can use my platform to speak up about it because a lot of fighters in the UFC are scared to to say something because Dana can just shelf them. Um, So I'm one of the very few people who doesn't need Dana necessarily and uh, yeah. I started talking about it, and it just got a ton of momentum, and I was like, yeah, like, okay, I'm gonna continue to talk about this, and now more and more people are speaking up, so it sort of started this revolution. And Francis is one of the people.
2: Yay!
0: But Francis, what gives you the courage to stand up? Huh? Why do you have the, because you've stood up against him, and talked, you're talking about it now.
4: I think mine was more, at first it was pride, I was frustrated of how they were treating me. You know, because first because I didn't want to sign a contract and that I felt like they were using that, powers, that power against me. This contract is a fucked up. I don't have it. I don't want to sign my life to somebody who doesn't give me any something else in return. In return. He doesn't have any responsibility. He can decide whenever he wants and cut you. and. He can't. He's not even obligated to give you fight. So, what is the reason of signing this type of contract? But this is you the know? difference,
3: Francis. <laughs> Francis is one of the most exciting fighters in the world. He has he has the strongest punch in the world, I believe, and he's the heavyweight champion of the world in, in MMA. In boxing, the heavyweight champion of the world makes thirty-two million a fight. He, 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 this is public information. He's yeah. making 600, 700K to fight. So that's where the discrepancy is. That's a big and, discrepancy. And no one can it's, see that. That ve- is fucked up.
4: I'm not a yes. genius, but that's, that's a big discrepancy. Yeah. But it's very it's very simple. In boxing, they have to negotiate. It's open. There's yes. two sides. It's open. Here, it's not one company. Here is a company. There the is one company who owns both fighters. You and your opponent. It's a it.
5: conflict of interest. I don't even know if
4: that's legal. So it's just you guys. Okay, that's, you guys that, are fighting. You're fighting, is that that guy. is You're fighting that That's thing. Is that legal? Guy. Is this him? It, is you that know? legal? <laughs> so no more power. But the problem is like, the company is so big, and they are getting bigger, and fighters are getting smaller, that everybody is scared. Everybody, nobody want to face or to fight the company or to say no, that's not good. Shannon, but if all we, the fighters came together. They cannot came, they cannot come together. It's very complicated because financially, if somebody has to rely on you to pay his bill because you're controlling his wallet, how much he gets and you can do whatever you want, of course he cannot stand up against you. The fighters can band together though and that, that No they it, cannot. But, event, but we we, I
3: say we, we can, because eventually, my ultimate goal is to create a fighters' union. It needs to be done. And it's, it seems impossible, and maybe it will be, but that's how. And people say, Jake, like, how are you gonna create a fighters' union? Like, the, you know, they, they'll just shelf all the fighters in the fighters' union. No, everyone comes together, and we're not fighting. We're not
4: fighting. So, so. so that's how so, they do it here. How, there's how, there's, there's how, writers' guilds, so there's how you directors' gonna feed them? Guilds. How are you gonna feed those people? Because a lot of them, after eight months, after, okay. uh, Eight weeks of training come after four months of not fighting, they are broke, bro. What he's saying is to create a union, what you actually have to be okay with is I'm taking
0: a stand for not me, but for the future fighters. Let's do this now for the future of of fighting, which I do agree with. Make more in the long run. Well, you. you have my Nick point Long, is, you may not next, even do it, but the fighters coming behind yeah, you will be exactly. the next generation. You have to be okay
3: with that. Exactly.
2: I, I'm not the biggest fan of America. This is one of the things we do great, is a union. We will um, negotiate on some fools. <laughs> Every... <laughs> I love how she Every union no. has gone through this. Every single union. I think you are a million percent correct. It is 1,000 percent possible, and yeah, like, People will be poor for a minute and that's part of it. It's part of it. It's, you know- the- Here's the thing,
3: time out. All right, I'm, I'll call upon the 10 biggest boxers, 10 highest paid boxers, and 10 highest paid people from the UFC. Yo, why can't you donate $200,000 to the union to help pay these fighters for these six months? Are you that selfish? Floyd Mayweather, Canelo, who makes 50 million for a fight. Canelo, why you can't donate. $200,000 to this union, I'll donate $500,000. I'll donate a million. You can pay them while they I'll, donate. A, I'll donate a million. So we can pay You're the fighter. You're I'm right in on. for a million. Yeah. I, I'm in for a million. I, I could raise more than that. But I'm saying that the money that we put into the union can p- help pay the, the fighters who aren't getting paid as much in the interim. Well, and then, that's how course. it can be well, funded. Well, very
0: interesting, though, because obviously people have a lot of different perceptions of you, fights, partying. You've had, obviously, controversies and things. But it's interesting to hear you say that, like as a human, you are growing. What are you, just twenty-five?
3: Right? I'm twenty-five, but yeah. no, like, like you said, it's like my my. <laughs>
2: People <laughs> shouldn't be hitting you. You're a child. Nah.
3: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I grew up on camera, so anything I did wrong, like, and by the way, I was doing stuff wrong, and you know, as fight, every fight, yeah, and and fighting has helped me mature and become a different person, but. It is like you said, like you know, I messed up and did did stupid shit that I'm not that I'm not proud of.
2: I'm 40, I'm stupid. everybody. I'm yes. saying yesterday, damn. Every- I feel like when I was young, those jokes, man, fuck. Thank God nobody was taping that shit. It was horrible garbage, horrible garbage. But I feel like, especially in comedy, you say some rancid, rancid shit because it gets laughs anytime you say you know like when you were a kid and you went poo poo and everyone would be like "Ah, this is the best before (laughs) this is hilarious and it's that same element and when you get older then it's the same type of garbage that um gets you cred for being uh, you know edgy and you don't realize that that's garbage until you're a little bit older i'm living in like the world we live in, obviously,
5: censorship, cancel culture, all those things—is anything going too far in comedy?
2: I feel like what a lot of people are calling cancel culture is just accountability, you know. And i don't think we can just be shitting on everybody all the time anymore. It used to be anything goes, and now it doesn't, and that's great because guess what? It used to be cool to not hire me because how I look. Of course. You know, so I can't be—I can't be mad at that. I—I think that. We as a people are evolving and it'll take some people a long time, some people are there already. Uh, But it is that journey that we're all in right now. And yeah, it feels bad and weird. Who cares? Getting better feels bad. Also like people go, oh, I can't be racist. I can't be the one who did the bad thing. But if society as a whole is, I'm so sorry that I've come to this um, <laughs> we're it, here. Go if, for it. if society as a whole is built on white supremacy which it is then we cannot act like we are all above it oh we're in it we're in it we it's it's in the very fabric of our lives it's how we live it's on the fucking money it's everywhere and i think <laughs> that's more of the thing it's not like you were a bad dude and you did this bad, and you are bad and it's tarnished on you forever, it, that's not it. It's like, yeah, I'm a product of society. What do you fucking want? So yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to get there. Take me with Let me
0: ask you. When you go on every night, there's never been many women in late night. Do you feel that pressure of like, especially as a black woman going on every night?
2: I'm a 40 year old black lady from Omaha, Nebraska. I don't feel a need to like represent everybody. I I can't. If black people, if black women were a monolith, I absolutely could and I'd love to do it, but we're not, so I can't.
3: To go back on the cancel culture thing is like, if people wanna have cancel culture and cancel somebody, cool, you know, you did something wrong, maybe apologize for it, whatever, you offended a bunch of people. But then that same society should give that, that same person the opportunity to grow and change. That was wrong. Don't do that again. And, you know, give them the opportunity to realize what they did was wrong. But that's the problem with cancel culture is it just, it needs to be so definite. Society likes to place things in boxes. Jake Paul is this, you know, Robert Carter is this, just cancel him this. No, like, that's, it's not, that's not how it is. But it's also
1: jumping on the bandwagon with social media, where a lot of people are just, voicing an opinion without having the full facts because they want to be down. You know, it's like I release an album and you see some dudes like dissecting my music immediately. This shit just came out. (laughs) (laughs) Like it took me two years to record this album and you're immediately like, that shit wack. I don't expect everyone to love what I do. but I think there's a difference between constructive criticism and straight up just bullying and hating. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has a lot to do with it too, that people just, they want that clout. That clout, mm-hmm. Where, cred, yeah. You know, like, these motherfuckers are doing podcasts in their rooms, like they, they're experts in music. And I receive
4: one. I receive comments sometimes, whether uh, it's a DM or comment, and people will, be- break down, tell you how you should train and how you should fight. Like, I put a video on me like hitting meat, and the guy will be like, no, work more on your wrestling. You have to see this coach and then work like this, like that, like that. I'm like, whoa, hold on a minute. What is your record? Like how <laughs> this guy never fight in his life. He never been in the gym, uh-huh. you know? You are working your ass every day, twice a day, or yeah, whatever, you know? Like they, yeah, like, I can hear he's
1: uninspired. I can hear, like, you can't hear shit. You so, know? Romeo, by the way,
0: talking about Latin music, it's always been big, but now you got, like, all oh, the new artists, Bad Bunny, I was about, What's the difference, what they're going through now and dealing with versus when you first started? Because you've been around
1: a very long time. Shit, the bag. The bag got bigger, <laughs> right? The bag, I mean, no, but all jokes aside, you know, I think that... Um, especially urban music is living um, a momentum that's amazing. Like, And the digital just changed absolutely everything in a good way. Um, guys like Bad Bunny, um, badwing Osura, you know, they, they kind of inspired other artists, like, okay, we, we can become successful and a lot faster than in my generation. You know, before I even reached stardom, I was already doing local group like local clubs and shit like that for like five years. You know, the industry has changed so drastically that it's like, yo, you could become uh, uh, un phenomenon De la noche a la mañana.
5: of well, a hit on SoundCloud. Yeah. Song, like yeah. I'm
1: talking about like, these guys, have, like I-, I remember speaking to Osuna when he was just starting. Like a year and a half later, he was a superstar. And you've
0: collaborated with a lot of artists. Like who was the one that surprised the fuck out of you? Like, damn, that's some shit I didn't expect. That's a level- they went to a level
1: you didn't know they were going to go to. So I, I produced and wrote a, a record for my second solo album with Mark Anthony. It was a salsa, which is not, You know, I'm a bachatero. I do bachata. But I'm, I'm a, a huge fan of Salsa as well. And for him to trust me in producing and songwriting a Salsa for me was like surreal. And I, I recall being in the studio with Mark, just guiding him like, by the way, he doesn't need no guidance, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, yo, could you do it like this? Could you do it like that? And And I'm so passionate about this shit that I'm a bit intense at moments. And I remember that once we were done with the session, he was like, bro, I can't remember the last time that I was in a studio session this long and motherfucker's telling me, yo, could you do the slogan like this? And that was for me a surreal moment just because I grew up on Mark. Like I just grew up like, wow, this guy to me was like unreachable. And to be able to write, produce a song with him, like that that's just crazy to me. That was a very
0: special moment. Drake, have you had some boxers (laughs) reached out to you that you're like, damn, I can't believe that boxer reached out to me with some advice or some...
3: Yeah, look, I mean, there's been a ton of support, which is crazy, And, and I think the biggest one who is one of my idols is Mike Tyson. He's taken me... Under his wing in, in some sorts, you know, we've we we've partied together. He's giving me advice. Like he he's such a <laughs> such a dope Party dope with guy. Evander <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holyfield, you know, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, David Benavidez.
0: They've taken you in as a as like you're one of us.
3: Yeah, I, I'll be DMing Benavidez like, yo, like, what, what would you recommend for this sort of workout? Da, da, da. and he'll like give me advice, and I,
5: I implement it. So does that, does that give you self-validation, knowing that these guys that are real fucking guys and giants are welcoming you into the fraternity? No, yeah, it means a lot and it's
3: dope, you know? And, they're, and they've all been so awesome to me, and I, I appreciate that um, it, it means a lot. And, you know, they're, they're not haters, you know, because there's a lot of people in, at first in the boxing world who were like, oh, I don't know. And there's still people who are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. But the fact that they are showing love, you know, that, that is all the... All the motivation and proof that I need.
4: I think you always be like that. And we will always have those people. That's what makes the community. That's what makes your fan base. You can't pick like, okay, I just want a good guy. There's always bad guy haters yeah. be in between. You have to deal with them. You have to learn how to deal with them or ignore them and move on. And it doesn't matter how good you are, you might become the best person on earth, but you will always have criticism. You're gonna have like hundred people uh, liking you, you're gonna find someone like, oh, he's this, he's that. Always. And you can that can change.
2: I cannot believe how true that is. Like if a thousand people are like this the shit, those ten motherfuckers oh, yeah. are like sometimes one. So you what is that? When
4: you see those kind of comment, look at the reply. You know, you will find your your real friend reply and go after him. Do
0: you ever reply to them?
1: N- from my no. fake account? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Don't delete that huh? account. No. I, I, go I, go win. Win. Like that. I go win! I go win! I go win! No, listen. And I have to be honest. That shit feels good. <laughs> oh, Fuck you, bitch. Shit feels good. He
4: sucks. You suck.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
4: I don't. I don't reply. But some of most of the time, my friend replies to those. You know. And then I will look at it.
0: And you like yeah. it. It makes you feel good.
4: My fan defends me. Can I just you know?
1: say that props to optimism, man. Cheers. <laughs> now every time we say something negative say. or something <laughs> I was strange. about to say that, you know what I was about to say?
0: Seven billion people on the planet, he can kick everybody's ass, right? I have no idea after sitting with him how the fuck he gets in a rage to go fight somebody.
2: That's a question I had. When you're fighting someone, I'm so sorry that this might sound very silly, do you feel angry? you mad at them. Or, no. or is it like a... Is it's it a joke. Like, uh, it's a joke.
3: It's a joke. You can't be angry, you'll get
4: tired. You have to be calm.
2: Do they ever make you angry, though?
4: You don't have to be angry. Like, me, it's really hard to get me angry. I just know the reason <laughs> we, why. We know. Yeah, no, I just have to remind myself why I'm fighting. When you come from a small village, uh, from a country like Cameroon, nobody expects you to become a world champion. From where I came from, we 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 weren't even allowed to have a dream. That's why, like, anytime when I have a chance, I just go back home because that's the moment that I kind of, like, realize, uh, kind of collect myself, realize, like, where I'm from, you know? That's dope. And, I, and you
1: know, like, I, you just... I reminisce for a second, like, I sold out two Yankee stadiums. And, you know, sometimes it takes a while for you to digest, you know, like, those moments that they mean a lot to people, but also, you know, you should enjoy every moment, every S- successful moment. Exactly. And my uncle said something to me, He was like, are you ready? Like, he tells me, are you ready to tell your kids, like, how this felt? And I'm like, oh shit. Like, sometimes you get caught up with the production, with inviting guests. You're, you're like, in the moment. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and then you're like, oh shit. Like. This is, you know, so that that's that's, that's deep. Yes, you, I can relate.
4: Then to that. you're like, okay, this is a real, this is a real shit. You know, I remember like f- when, when I first won the belt, I was go- I went back home and was living my normal life. Then sometime at night, I'm like, I'm a world champion, right? I have a belt, so I'll go check like, am I a dream or is true? <laughs> you know, because for me, it was just like, wow, nothing changed. I'm like, okay, why I'm not feeling a change? Like. Why life is just so normal? I just look at him like, okay, so if the belt is here, that means I'm a world champion. But you don't yes, realize, you don't realize it. it, of course. Yeah.
0: But the champ, by the way, no matter how much he gets paid fighting, he can make a lot more as a therapist and a motivational fucking yeah. speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got you got two fires already. And with that we're out. Thank you guys.
4: Romeo Santos was like Twenty percent of my playlist. <laughs> hey. Enrique, Enrique, Iglesias, and um, Prince Royce. <laughs>
1: you have good taste in music. I'ma fuck Thank with you. you just don't fuck me up.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Uninterrupted, the Shop podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to the show. For full video episodes, check out Uninterrupted's YouTube channel. And for updates on new episode releases and exclusive behind-the-scenes content, follow Uninterrupted on social media.